Jackson Pollock, Willem de Kooning, Mark Rothko. The canon of 20th century American painting is so well rehearsed, it's hard to believe that the name of one participant in the important group shows of the 40s through the 70s has been all but lost to history. Until now. Tranquil Power is the first major retrospective of the work of painter Pearl Fine. Gail Cassander reports from the IU Art Museum, currently hosting the traveling exhibition. At mid-century, the American art scene didn't seem like it had room for anyone lacking a Y chromosome. Barnett Newman wrote of his painting, quote, No matter how many it takes to tango, it takes only a real man to create a work of art. Unquote. Barnett Newman made that pronouncement, scholar Kathleen Housley explained, when his paintings were being shown at the Betty Parsons Gallery in New York in 1951. That same year, however, Parsons presented a solo show by a far less macho art star. The thing about Pearl is that she is a very quiet individual. Housley is the author of Tranquil Power, the Art of Pearl Fine. She is not out there throwing bar stools (laughs) in the early 1950s, (laughs) doing those other very dramatic types of things, nor does she tend to the dramatic statements. Nonetheless, Pearl Fine broke into the boys' club that was painting in the 1940s and 50s. Born in 1905 to Eastern European immigrants, Pearl studied at the Art Students League and the Hans Hoffmann School in New York before going on to make paintings that would shape the direction of abstract expressionism beginning with her inclusion in Peggy Guggenheim's groundbreaking exhibition Salon for Young Artists at her avant-garde gallery Art of the Century. Between 1945 and 1953, Fine had six solo exhibitions in New York City at the Willard Gallery, the Nierendorf Gallery, and the Betty Parsons Gallery. Not only was Fine showing at the era's most elite galleries, she was one of the first women welcome in the art world's inner sanctum, the 8th Street Club. Which is a very important, uh, I'm not going to say institution, because it was much more free form than that. And uh, she's invited to join the club by uh, Willem de Kooning. The long-lived Dutch-born abstract expressionist may be best remembered for his savage paintings of women. De Kooning was an ally. Yeah, uh, she liked de Kooning, and de Kooning liked her. <laughs> and they were, they, you know, shared their thoughts a, a great deal. Their friendship is evident in a photo included in the first major Pearl Fine retrospective, currently on view at the IU Art Museum, one of a series of black-and-white portraits taken by Fine's husband, the artist Maurice Berezov, The photo also bespeaks the extent to which Pearl was immersed in the social circle of the New York school. This is a photograph of Pearl Fine with William de Kooning and Ruth Kligman. And of course, Ruth Kligman was the woman who was with Jackson Pollock the night he was drunk and hit the tree and died. Um, She had quite the reputation. (laughs) Ruth Kligman had the reputation and ended up getting played by Jennifer Connelly in the movie. Pearl Fine wasn't in any movie. In her monograph, Housley describes how easily the glamour of these artists' lives could eclipse the substance of their work. The composer Morton Feldman, who knew the Greenwich Village artists very well, drinking with them in the neighborhood bars and visiting their studios, told art historian Dory Ashton that it was crucial for a painter to have charisma. Feldman arrived on the scene soon after Gorky's suicide and remembers that he heard nothing about Gorky's work only about the man. He also heard anecdotes about Hoffman, de Kooning, or Pollock, but seldom anything about their art. 
Bombast was also useful because it was repeatable and made good press copy. In the absence of flamboyant behavior, Pearl Fine managed to garner plenty of press copy on the merit of her paintings alone. After visiting Fine's first exhibition at the Betty Parsons Gallery in 1949, Robert Coote's art critic for The New Yorker felt compelled to write her a personal letter of congratulations. Quote, I must say, I thought the pictures looked, well, stunning. They were so strong, assured, and powerful. 25 years later, another critic wrote about Fine's minimalist grid paintings, the Accordments. Quote, these are gentle paintings of near unspeakable beauty, unquote, with wavering bands of close-valued mauve, pink, and ochre that suffused the canvases in what he described as an elusive ethereal light. He compared the series to Monet's water lilies, somehow boxed up and gone structural. Critical acclaim never flagged over the course of Fine's impressive exhibition history. She had 25 solo exhibitions and took part in more than 125 group shows at the Metropolitan Museum of Art, the Museum of Modern Art, the Solomon R. Guggenheim Museum, the Whitney Museum. Not to mention, added curator Susan Knowles, During her lifetime, her works were collected by important institutions. So how on earth do you explain the situation that Housley has walked into on the eve of Tranquil Power's opening at the IU Art Museum? Uh, I'm standing here in this beautiful exhibition, and at least three-quarters of these paintings I've never seen before. If Housley, who wrote the book on Pearl Fine, had never until this show seen the majority of these paintings in person, the average museum visitor may be forgiven for never having heard of Pearl Fine. It's the only real retrospective. There have been... Contacted by the executor of Fine's artistic estate to organize this show, Knowles, an independent curator based in Nashville, Tennessee, tried to recall the last big Pearl Fine show. I mean, there was a show toward the end of her life in 1978 at Guildhall in East Hampton. Although you would have had to have been out on the eastern end of Long Island in the 70s to catch that one, there are plenty of Fines canvases in the vaults of the nation's flagship art collections, from the Whitney to the Guggenheim to the Corcoran. You know, while they're in well-known collections, it's been, in many cases, some years since they've been shown. Getting those paintings out of storage and into a major traveling exhibition requires vision and funds. When you ask to borrow work from a museum, oftentimes it means a conservator will get it out and really spend some time with it. And then you, as the organizer of an exhibition, are often asked to bear some of the cost. It does cost a lot more than you would think to just take a picture and hang it. Approaching foundations and other granting agencies, Knowles discovered that it was the perfect moment to make a pitch for Pearl Fine. Here we had a perfect example of somebody who was the first-generation abstract expressionist who has all the credentials and the work shows it. Things take time to come to the fore, and now we're at a point where people are really looking at this period. And possibly hoping to provide a correction to the rapid-fire codification of the New York school that took place at the time. One of the big criticisms in the 1950s was that codification was happening way too fast before work was really having a chance to be vetted carefully and thoughtfully 
museums were buying it and basically were giving their imprimatur to certain artists which perhaps shouldn't have had it yet. But then it becomes self-perpetuating. The support obtained for this exhibition from the National Endowment for the Arts, the New York State Council on the Arts, and the Judith Rothschild Foundation, among others, manages to bestow a sort of belated imprimatur on Pearl Fine. For WFIU, I'm Yael Cassander. Tranquil Power, the art of Pearl Fine, is on view at the IU Art Museum through May 27, 2012. You can see paintings by Pearl Fine on our website, wfiu.org arts.